Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. We're up to volume 10, issue 497, and we've arrived at Death Stranding. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Leah Haydu. I would prefer it if you used my, uh, my true name, uh, which is, of course, Princess Beach. <laughs> <laughs> It's it, it needs to be something even more literal, uh, so like <laughs> that relates to your personality. But I'll let you figure that out for yourself. Brian Edwards is also here. Hi, Leanne. I'm coming to you with the mind of a diehard man, the body of a dead man, and the heart of a heart man. <laughs> my uh, my my uh, my little wheeze was going to be that I was going to surprise you with uh, the fact that we we're actually going to cover the other game in which you play Norman Reedus, which is The Walking Dead Survival Instinct, 2013's (laughs) first-person horror shooter game, which I have completed. Oh, really? I have not played that, but I heard it was not very good. Uh, I I didn't think it was very good, no. Uh, (laughs) Cannot speak to that, obviously, but uh, yeah. I would say stick with Death Stranding on the whole. (laughs) Although, as we will hear from our correspondents and possibly from our panellists, I don't really know. This game is uh, quite a divisive one. What is it? What is Death Stranding? That's <laughs> that's a long story. I've tried to strip it down to this, which is is a third-person action game set in an open world. <laughs> Everything's got a question mark after it. Future post-cataclysm North America, in which you play a repair-come-delivery man who must travel to the East Coast, to the West, and back again, hooking up folks to the internet. Uh, I know he's more of a delivery man, but he kind of does do sort of repair work effectively on the side, doesn't he? Uh, my other name for this game is Shower with Your Daryl Simulator. <laughs> yeah, you know that whole. If you want to skip the shower sequence, oh yeah, it's like five or six clicks. Like they really <laughs> want you to clicks. linger on yeah. Norman Reedus's well sculpted I mean, buttocks for yeah. as long as possible. Yeah. I, I wonder if, yeah, I, well, I wonder a lot of things about Death Stranding. Um, <laughs> so do we all. Yeah. Leah, do you remember uh, getting interested early on? I do remember it um, being teased, although I don't remember when. I just remember that there were kind of trailers and teaser trailers and videos uh, quite early on that m- made people kind of speculate as they do about these things uh without any real answers as to what exactly death stranding was going to be um and i picked it up right about release i think uh it, it was not um it was not a thing that i had like you know pre-ordered and was standing in line or or anything like that but i was interested enough to pick it up quite early played it through i guess it would have been the end of 2019 maybe the very beginning of 2020 i think it was the end of 2019 uh and Mm. did a fairly intense playthrough then um or at least what i thought was a fairly intense playthrough then and then for the show i decided to play it again because the uh, director's cut had come out and I was interested in both getting back into it to see what, uh, what the changes had been. And also just to kind of refresh my memory on the bonkers storyline that we'll get into, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I think I messaged, um, I I messaged Brian earlier that I had put, um, I just finished, I I didn't think I was going to finish my playthrough for 
my second playthrough rather for the show because I uh, decided to do a very thorough playthrough where I five starred yeah. all of the facilities uh, and yeah, that takes a while. So uh, I did actually yeah. finish my playthrough this morning and uh, ended up putting 99 hours into it. So um, yeah, and that's <laughs> I, I am considering going back and completing the remainder of what I have left, which is not a ton uh, for no, a platinum. Well, um, probably wouldn't be. But yes. uh, yeah, that's that's with five starring all the facilities. So uh, yes, I have spent a lot of time with Death Stranding. <laughs> cool, Brian. How about yourself? Yeah, I um I'm actually kind of uh a newbie to Kojima's stuff. Um I played okay. the original Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid, never completed it. Yeah, um on, right. on uh, PlayStation. Uh but kind of fell off for whatever reason and didn't play much else. I played a lot of Metal Gear Solid five after it got rave reviews and um that was kind of kind of that open world stealth sandbox thing. But um mm-hmm. I I really obviously familiar with the per- with the personality of Kojima, but not, but wasn't really someone who played many of his games. Um, but Death Stranding fell into that category for me where all of the pre-release coverage and all of the talk about it leading up to it, and just, it felt like it took a really long time before that game came out for people to actually know what you did in the game. Yes. Like, remind me of No Man's Sky quite a bit. Like, it's like there's all this mystique around this game. Nobody knows what it actually is, what it's to play it. And I, I am definitely a sucker for the, I don't care if this thing is good or bad, I just need to get my hands on it and see what it is. That's mm. one of the reasons that I was a day one adopter of Death Stranding and also Balan Wonderworld, because I just <laughs> sometimes need to know um, what the game is. And so, yeah, yeah. I fell into that. And uh, my first playthrough of Death Stranding, I put about 40 hours into it, and I never got out of Chapter 3. And then, um, much like a lot of other games and a lot of other things, I got distracted by something else, you know, something shiny. Episode three by. is like disproportionately long compared to all the yeah. others in my experience. It was yeah. like many, many hours, whereas some of the others are an hour or less. I was and at it, about 50 it, hours before I made it out of episode three this time. Right. So it, yeah. it allows wow. you to, it really, that's kind of when the game fully opens up and you kind of have the whole tool set. And if you're into the delivery stuff, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure um, you can kind of get sucked into that. But uh, I don't know, something shiny floated by, I got distracted and I just never yeah. finished it. Um, and then I heard some things about the story and I was like, oh, maybe I don't really need to go back and finish it. But then it was on this year's slate of shows and I was um, I was like, you know what? I really do want to go back and give that due diligence. Um, I upgraded to the director's cut, but I started over from scratch um, because I, I wanted to completely refamiliarize myself. I finished it uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, I think my final clock was somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 hours. Um, I've gone back in a few times since to that chapter 15, which we'll talk about the kind of pre-end game post game content um and done some deliveries and played with some tools and stuff like that but uh but yeah i probably collectively put uh, about 100 hours into it but not in one playthrough like uh like leah did i don't know what happened man it's just something (laughs) the microchip activated (laughs) yeah uh oxytocin i think is is that is that the thing (laughs) yes uh yeah, so I uh, my history with Kojima Games is pretty much documented on the Kane and Rince podcast. I haven't played Snatcher, which we did cover, so I wasn't on that one. I've played all the Metal Gear Solid games, although many of them I hadn't gotten around to before we podcast about them. Uh, I have mixed feelings overall on Kojima, a lot of which are positive, some of which are negative. And uh, I think neither he is a a grade A genius nor a terrible, talentless idiot, somewhere in between the two, funnily (laughs) enough. Um, 
but I do find his uh, his vision interesting. I think that you know, yeah, he stands as a yeah. He is clearly an auteur. His games get to he, especially now he's left Konami, he gets to do what he want wants for good and for ill. And I remember seeing some of the early imagery for Death Stranding and just thinking, yeah, that's really striking stuff. Who knows what the game will be like in the end? Um, but I was just taken with the the sort of the aesthetic of it and the atmosphere of it. And I didn't actually pick it up at the, 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 the second it came out because I was probably playing other things for this show. I picked it up when it was in a digital sale a few months down the line for about 23 quid. Um, I played the first hour or so on the PS4 Pro, the first episode, and it really I just because I wanted to see it just because I'd seen so much footage of of the the game world and just thought it looked so stunning this Icelandic type landscape and I just wanted to sample it and and the night that I played that first episode I kind of had an incredibly vivid dream inspired by the opening chapters the opening moments of that game so I knew that it was on some levels it was it was definitely going to appeal to me but in the end I I waited and waited until the director's cut came out for PS5 uh I knew that that would likely be a a, a better way to play both in terms of things like loading times but also performance uh, and they did a very nicely, sensibly priced upgrade for five pounds—a digital upgrade, which I, which I uh, applaud. Uh, and yeah, so I finally got stuck into it a couple of weeks ago, uh, and had only played about six hours, I think, going into this last week. And I took a week off work, as I sometimes do in preparation for a podcast. I just, well, you know, it's got to be done. The game's got to be played, and you know, what would I rather do with some? time at home off work than immerse myself into a, a video game that I've been looking forward to playing. So yeah, I absolutely came this from kind of last weekend to the middle of the week and then I actually beat it slightly ahead of schedule but I have been back since making people like me even more and I've played <laughs> the extra director's cut content as well, although I'm not sure I've finished it because it seems to be open and hanging at this point but um, but I completed the main game of course and uh, and have since been watching videos explaining <laughs> what other people thought was happening <laughs> and reading our uh, our correspondence did i like it or not well listen on and find out dom's beard from our forum is our first of many correspondents who says i will always remember death stranding as the game that kept me together during a very tough time i was going through a horrendous time mentally and work-wise in november 2019 and decided to pick this up on a whim as i needed a distraction Every night for at least two or three weeks, I would spend two to three hours playing this. Late nights, walking along, holding down the buttons to keep hold of my delivery, kept my mind distracted. I remember one memorable session trudging for 45 minutes straight through the snow to place a delivery and just the silence of me, Sam and BB only interrupted by the crunch of the snow under Sam's boots. Having this to get to on an evening kept me going some days. The story is an absolute casserole of nonsense, but highlights were Higgs' introduction and the sections with Mads Mickelson. Have to say, however, the story got me by the end and I was gutted it was over. Kojima Productions made it uh, after a lengthy corporate conflict, as is fairly well documented, although the details are probably going to remain secret for some time. With Konami as a restricted subsidiary, Kojima Productions closed in July 2015 and reformed as an independent video game developer and studio in the December of that year. The same month, Kojima announced his partnership with Sony Interactive Entertainment. 
according to Wikipedia. That's why there's no Xbox version. Development of Death Stranding was so smooth that Sony Interactive Entertainment stated that they'd never seen a game made at such a fast pace. I think that's citation needed, but that comes from IMDb trivia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows? But uh, at least that was the impression Kojima Productions gave off, which obviously, while they, I, I assume Kojima took all of his staff with him pretty much from the Konami Kojima Productions, uh, even so, to make a brand new IP brand new game from nothing obviously they had the decimer engine up and running and that but still impressive sony published it for the console of course and 505 games handled the accompanying pc version written directed designed and produced by hideo kojima uh, crucially i think kojima brought over his uh, long standing companion colleague uh, visual designer art director yoji shinkawa mm -hmm. for this game even though maybe the subject matter is quite different. I think his style is eminently recognisable. The game came out on PlayStation 4 and PS4 Pro, of course, November 8th, 2019. Belmont 03 from the forum says, Death Stranding was easily the most excited I was for any game last generation. I watched every trailer more times than anyone should. And in the week leading up to the release, my roommates and I had no problem watching all the trailers back to back every day. The night the game came out, we even made a point of playing through PT before 11pm just to cap off the wait. Once PT was done, I went to my local shop to pick up the Death Stranding PS4 Pro. I just had to have that BB-themed controller. The whole release felt like an event to me, even if the game itself didn't live up to the hype. I think I had enough fun with the trailers to warrant the cost of admission. For me, the game lived up to the hype. Ludo FM. Similar feeling says, I have never been more excited for a game ahead of the release of Death Stranding. I took a few days off work, told all my friends I'd be busy and sank into my first ever Kojima game. By the time the credits rolled, the final time, I was exhausted. Death Stranding felt like when my depression flares up and becomes difficult to manage. Isolating grey skies stretch in endless directions. Most humans are holograms. Tonally, Sam works uphill against reclusive sceptics and cynically corrupt governmental institutions. It was a lot to decompress from, despite the ostensible intention to connect people. Then the game dropped on PC a yearish later. I started from scratch, wanting to dedicate myself to its systems. Whereas my first playthrough took 40 to 50 hours, this replay took well over 90. I fell in love with the experience the second time around, not because of the obvious pandemic parallels, but because I think this game is at its richest when you invest in the mechanics. Building roads, interconnecting zip lines, maxing out each delivery recipient to five stars and so on made me care about this world when at first glance I experienced it as a nihilistic morass. A director's Cut arrived just a couple of months ago in September, September 24th, 2021. I can't remember if this is one of the podcasts we moved around to mm -hmm. so we could do it after, possibly. Uh, it is. It is, right. There we go. Reviews-wise, the original version of the game received an 83% average from 195 outlets, recommended by 79% of critics. The director's cut fares slightly better, albeit from fewer reviews, 86% from 79 and recommended by a whopping 94% of critics the suggestion there either being that uh, more reviews and it would have ended up on a similar amount or the director's cut improves a few things or p 
people came around to the ideas of the game a bit more a couple of years down the line. So I, and this is something that um, I'm in particular interested, Leon, in what you have to say. Um, mm -hmm. It Because it's kind of been um, a thing that I have heard on several other podcasts that I listen to and you know just listening to these people speak about coming back to some of whom really did not care for death stranding the first yeah. time around and came back to it later on with kind of less pressure to need to get through because most of the time <laughs> these people that i'm listening yeah. to are you know they are game critics they are uh people who do this for a living and maybe the first time they actually needed to get through this on a relatively tight timeline and yeah, in my opinion the game really does fare better and and this seems to be kind of the consensus of a lot of the people that i've listened to it fares better if you kind of give it room to breathe uh and mm. and don't try to you know stuff it all into a a constricted timeline so i i am actually yeah. really curious about and mm. obviously you can't really compare it directly but just how yeah. you specifically feel about having to you know kind of get yeah. this done on a time limit yeah um and whether you feel like maybe that affected your opinion at all. Possibly. I think it's never ideal, but also it can, it, it certainly can light a fire up, up one's ass and be, <laughs> yeah. act as a motivation even when, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword because uh, it's, it's easy if, if you are having a tough time with something, a section of something or whatever, or, or you're finding, you know, it, the, you haven't quite clicked with something when you're reviewing either for professional purposes or like we are semi-professional purposes, um, it's, it does give you that, you, you know, you have to carry on to, to, to do it properly. And as I say, even more so than for written reviews, we kind of insist on as far as is possible humanly to beating games, completing them before the end. I was aware that, yeah, I was aware that I was under pressure, of course, from my own, you know, it's my own choice to create this, format and this podcast and, and all that and uh and i try not to hold it against the the game but i think there are some some parts of this game that yeah i think you're right uh actually it would be preferable to um sit down and plan your routes better and and all that kind of thing and you can th this this is kind of more haste less speed the game in in many ways it, it in that and and it also reflects my own personality in that a lot of times I will just set out on a route. I will not think about the weather, the terrain and everything, and I'll just kind of bundle, bungle through it. Um, and sometimes that's fun and satisfying, but actually the best times I had with this game were the, were the, were the more haste, uh, less speed, you know, uh, where I'd thought about that proverb and actually, uh, you know, prepared properly, planned a route planned everything i was carrying properly and and going from one to the other but i also on the, on the flip side the actual experience of playing this intensely over five or six days actually more like seven or eight now we're uh, we're at the sunday uh is because i find this game so uh kind of profoundly immersive and atmospheric at its best that's also that's a, an experience that I think I would have lost something of by playing it over a longer period, maybe, or to kind of dipping in and out more anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. Pros and cons. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Scenario, the story, the setting, the characters, the script, the cast and the performances. Um, 
I mean, Brian, if you could <laughs> <Long> just pause. <laughs> no, I Brian, mean, if you could just sum it all up yeah. for us. Uh... <laughs> I mean, where where do you start? I mean, this game this game has this game has all, all the story. You know what I mean? It like really it really is. Um, uh, it has it has a huge amount of story that kind of sweeps over this grand like this grand arc of reconnecting America but the reason you're reconnecting America is because your mother was oh the president of the United States but she's really an extinction entity whose alter ego is stuck on a beat like there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the story um I the thing that I will say about this before we get way deep into the weeds is I I generally think that the the writing and the story in the game is not anything that I think is stellar I, re- I really don't. I, I, I have a lot of problems with it. I have a bunch of notes that have profanity next to them because I was kind of like, what's going on here? Um, but in general, I think the performances are very good. Um, yeah. And and I think that it, it's interesting. Um, I think the dialogue that was written for, well, let's, we're just going to hop into it for, for Fragile, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Her story arc and, and her kind of reason, her motivation is something that I that never really landed with me. Like it always se- seemed very forced, seemed very tropey. But I think that the actress who was doing the performance did a particularly good job as she's like, you know, just talking, forced to say for the eleventh time, "No, I'm, I'm frag, I'm fragile, but I'm not that fragile." For the hundredth time, you know, um, <laughs> I think that there's a lot of good here that is in a mostly mediocre wrapping, and that's my mm. best kind of summation of it. Um, obviously, if we were going to talk about the specifics of the story, we need a whole series of podcasts. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that's one of the things I wanted to say. Like, we can't possibly, even if, even if we still did the thing which we used to do more of in the earlier days, which was to try to kind of recap and synopsize the, the, the this would just be a, a three, four, five out because it's so dense, and because Kojima has to explain everything to the nth degree. Uh, and and I think yeah that uh, Brian you shared a video which is uh, video game donkeys sort of look back at the story and the game and uh, and and yeah his thing is uh, uh, we also have a three word review which which alludes to this which is that first hour that I enjoyed in isolation when everything was still a mystery and there was lots of suggestion that it was going to be kind of uh, you know, more of a, a kind of art piece for you to interpret what's going on and for you to, to work out the allegory and, and all this kind of stuff. That all kind of goes out the window. The longer the game goes on, the more and the more and the more it explains itself in infinitesimal, unnecessary detail. By the end, they are quite literally sitting you down and and explaining it to you. Towards, the long uh, yeah, What we were talking about uh, with the uh, with one of the cre- the first credit sequence That is delivered by means of Sam sitting down on a beach with Amelie walking in circles around him, actually explaining (laughs) the entire backstory. It it, it's it's almost a different, well, not a different story from until like the last third of the game, but it it is certainly not an exposed part of the story until like the last third of the game. It it almost seems straightforward for a large chunk of it where you are traveling from section to section to fulfill the wishes of your mother who as Mm -hmm. we mentioned was the president um 
and her daughter. <laughs> okay, so that that whole thing. Oh gosh. Yeah, I've got right, a lot so, of. Yeah. So here's Sorry, here ahead. is um you know oh no no please by all means chime in I, but so I so okay so this is the thing and I know we're gonna get into heavy spoiler territory here and we're yeah. probably gonna jump yes thanks for saying that oh, I forgot sorry. spoiler warning yeah. as if it wasn't obvious yeah uh, there's and and I'm and I'm gonna try my best to not jump around like a crazy person because there's just so much <laughs> to really talk about um so after your mother who's the president died like like we you're setting off to connect people back to the chiral network and you know, to, to to put them all essentially back on the grid and connect all these united cities and even though chiral energy and chiral network is never explained like i as as like a player like i'm that's that willing suspension of disbelief like yeah. hey there's some weird energy that we don't even understand like it, the characters in the game don't really understand but we know it just makes us all connected we can share it's magic crystals that like, replace the internet exactly that's all so, you need to know. yeah and i'm for me as a video game player i'm great with that sure okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna basically put this fob by your computer i'm gonna float in the air for a minute and bam you're on the network perfect um it's when it gets very deep into the weeds, which is essentially the the last 10 to 15 hours of the game. It gets mm. very deep into the weeds of like the nature of chiral energy, the nature of BTs, the nature of beaches. And you start there, there, there becomes this whole series of like grand revelations. And each one kind of takes you down that step that like past that logic step that you were willing to suspend for the chiral network. So like there's one like, so so Mama and Lachna, who are characters in the game, there's there's a ser- series of events where Mama ends up dying. Both played and, by Margaret Qualley, yep. just saying. Um, and, and, and then Lachna, who is her twin sister, is there. And then all of a sudden, they're just the same person mm-hmm. in, in the same body. And okay, yeah. all right. So, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm not Also, sure Mama was that, dead the whole time. <laughs> right. Also, Mama was dead the whole time. Um, and uh so okay so i can take that leap right i go okay so uh i don't really understand it i'll take that leap then you come to the whole Heartman section with him going onto the beaches to look for his family and everything uh, okay i can take i make that leap then you have the dead man being a literal frankenstein's monster <laughs> rebuilt like okay and then it's just it's there's and i could go i could list 10 more of these where it just it takes you yeah. further and further down that rabbit hole to where and you're you've like, already does anybody know say, what's sorry. going on no, sorry, go ahead. You've already made a couple of leaps there because if you're familiar with the faces of Guillermo del Toro and Nicholas Vinding Refn, you're already kind of dealing with the fact that it's these two really familiar looking yeah. movie directors. Yeah. But they didn't voice faces. the characters, which they is They didn't weird. voice them, no. no. Yes, they did. No, because they're not actors, I suppose. I so guess. Kojima got actors in to do that. But yes, weird that there's also sort of cameos from Edgar Wright and various other people. Yeah, some of some yeah. of whom Conan voice O'Brien, themselves. Jeff Keighley, all your favorites. Yeah. yeah, it's very weird decisions, and it, and again, it does just that stuff just feels to me like indulgent and gimmicky rather than serving the right. the story. Yeah. That said, I actually thought Guillermo del Toro's face made a, for a good his likeness made for a a, a good and likable character in uh, in Dead Man, but but weird weird stuff. There's a there's so much to discuss in in. At, without really needing to discuss, just anything. let it come like, out like uh, Kojima does. Yeah. Stream of consciousness. They, start talking. Do yeah, not so go they, over two and a half hours. Jay right. will be very upset. They, they, there's all these leaps in logic and everything like that, and most of those I'm willing to take. But the the way that the exposition is given to you as a player, it, it mm-hmm. it's downright insulting by the end of the game, to the point where after the 
after the boss fight with Higgs on the beach, on Amelie's beach, which I thought was just dumb fun, really dumb. You end up with that fighting game sequence in the water. And it's, it's like, it's silly which, and Which whatever. Kojima has pulled before. Like, that yeah. is something so, that like, he has I'm... specifically done in Metal Gear games, which, which is yeah, fine. It's kind it was of great. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah so I, yeah, I'm, I'm good with all of that. It's crazy and silly and, and whatever. But then afterwards, like the exposition on the beach, and then Fragile comes over to you, and I wrote this down because I couldn't believe she actually said it. She goes, here, Sam, I brought you a metaphor. And she <laughs> proceeds to explain yep. what the metaphor is that she just brought you. Like, And what a metaphor is. Yeah, she, she literally says, I brought you a metaphor. And that, to me, is the perfect example of how the mm. writing just, it doesn't allow you to, as the player to make any of those leaps in judgment for yourself or to try to have any mystery that's going on. Yeah. They, they're determined to explain to you this world yeah. and these things that are essentially inexplicable. He's he he's, he he can't help himself. He's not. I don't know if he's just not confident in his audience, or he doesn't think they're intelligent as intelligent as he is, or I, I don't know. Like, just this is. I know it's such a cliche, and so many people say it. It's one of the most uttered lines. But you know, yeah, Kojima needs an editor. Now, I think that's a really reductive and simple, simplistic way of putting it. But I do think that he could use some advice on less is more yeah. i i think that brian what you were saying i think is dead on it it's it's not even the content of the game for me i like i i love it go wild go you know make everything just insane and 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 out there as much as you want but it's the it's the delivery and it's the pacing for me like it just it doesn't it gets in its own way. It It's repetitive in places that it doesn't need to be. Like, there are sections of, especially towards the end of the game, there are sections that just get repeated bit for bit multiple mm. times. Like, it, mm. it, you know, or you'll hear the voiceover of an entire sequence when you're doing something else. Like, I, the, the one that I, re and, and sometimes it's done for effect, and sometimes it's just done to make sure that you remember what was said 20 minutes ago. There are moments in the game with the story, uh, maybe not even with the story, but with progression, that I think he does give you that liberty as the player to kind of like figure it out on your own. There's one specific bit I can think of. There's a couple in the game, but uh, where you need to cross this large tar pit, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you get to the end, and like at the end of the road, essentially, and there's this big lake, and they're like, hey, you know, well, you got to find a way across, Sam, and you, you can't jump it with your bike, Sam, and... It's like, oh, maybe you should read your mail, Sam. But that's really kind of it, you know. And then, and then, as you come to find out when you get when you get taken by the BTs, there's throughout the entirety of the game, there's these buildings that rise up. So when you get taken by the BTs in this area, you essentially create this path for yourself across yeah, this yeah. lake. And that was one of those moments. I'm like, oh, that was kind of ingenious and neat. Took and, me a minute to figure it out. Yeah, like took took a minute, and then, and then, so he's willing to allow the player that that mm. that um freedom or um to trust the player like you said leon that was a, way, a better way to say it to right, trust the player right. to figure that out but not able to trust us to figure out the extinction entity and what higgs's role was and what cliff's role was and everything else and and i think maybe that is just a sign that the story in and of itself was fairly weak and i think that the single most frustrating and confusing aspect comes right at the end uh, and again, I was glad to see Dunkey mention this because uh, you know, I, I hadn't seen this elsewhere. I'm sure it has been brought up, but it seems to me that if you set aside 
the proper noun soup and the law, the, the, <laughs> the mythos that he's created here. You're actually trying to look for a meaning and a, a, a sense, a purpose to the story and a human connection to it. It seems to me that it is about you, your character, Sam Porter Bridges, reconnecting with humanity. That's like that literally, figuratively and emotionally. Uh, he starts the game with this uh, syndrome, which means that he can't even be touched. Uh, he doesn't like human contact whatsoever. By the end, he's made friends. He's got a bunch of friends. He can hug people again. He actually chooses to hug someone. And you think, oh, that's nice. And then Fragile comes up to him right at the end of the game and says, so, so what are you going to do now, Sam? And he's like, I've got no connection to anything in this world. I don't care about anything <laughs> or anyone. I'm just going to go off and be on my own with baby. Um, Lou. Lou. Uh, <laughs> and that was just like, what? That that line that c completely undoes, as far as I was concerned, like the whole point of how and why we got here, all this kind of craziness. I thought that was, um, maybe I just totally missed the point. Maybe, maybe uh, did you did you view this another way? Is, is Kojima actually saying... Yeah, all that stuff about the hugging and the and the reconnection. Ultimately, all that matters is his is his baby, which is his surrogate kind of daughter, child. Yeah, I don't. It's I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I Leah, I I don't I don't really know either. I, I mean, I mm -hmm. I get that that's kind of just how Sam is and how Sam has always been, and maybe it's that he is still even at this late date, siding with his mother slash sister slash <laughs> lover. I don't know what they are. Um, no, that's weird in itself. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but, but maybe, I, I mean, you never really get any sense, or at least I didn't, you never really get any sense that he ever thinks she was wrong and that that was one of the things, not to get too sidetracked, but that was one of the things that bothered me the most about kind of the ending bits is um, in the middle of one of these exposition blocks, you are on Amelie's beach and you have basically been tasked with, and I think this is actually the, the, the um, objective of the quest that you are on at that point, you are supposed to stop her from destroying the universe you know she is mm. you have found out by this point what she is she is um an extinction entity which means that she, her her task is to bring about this death stranding uh and you know you you have a gun and she's walking away from you and you have she has given you a choice that you can either stay with her or you can stop her and mm -hmm you don't actually have that choice because I unloaded into her and it does nothing. What you have to do yeah. is walk up to her. And this is an, <laughs> this is another um, one of those inexplicable places where Kojima just doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do. You have to put the gun away. And then yeah. in the second game uh, that we have covered that has a hug button feature, hug button. you yeah. have to yeah. hug her. <laughs> um, but I exactly towards the, the time, end, yeah. I, I, I may be thinking... I I don't know, but the the only explanation that I can come up with with this is that he is still somehow so linked to her, even though she is no longer there. You know, she's no longer with him. Mm. Um, that he doesn't want to become linked to anybody else because the only person he's ever really 
been connected to in that way turned out to be basically a world ending deity. So I I mean it's, I guess I get it. <laughs> I guess, but he sort of he seems to I actually found the scene where he he's he's stranded on the beach and the idea is although a, a certain amount of time passes as the as the credits roll the idea is that he's there for what feels like to him like an eternity uh but it was actually a relatively short space of time in the real world and his the the friends he's made along the way his sort of rpg party um kind of find him on you know using they explain later in great detail how they found him um, but i can't <laughs> yeah. remember science and magic uh intertwined and they come and find him and you hear their voices and you see them hovering as black figures in the sky and i thought oh that, that's actually this is actually getting me a bit this is you know this is sweet you know it's a very simple human story that that i can get behind and so after that, I thought, yeah, no, he 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 knows now. He's made he's he has made friends and real connections with people he's actually spent time with, and right. not just holograms. He he's touched, he's literally touched them, and um and and figuratively as well. But then then there's that scene where he just says, "Nah, don't care about any of you <laughs> or anything." Let's hear from a few forum folks about the story. Taz says the writing isn't very good and the characters are mostly rubbish and obviously the story is the sort of overwrought claptrap that we've come to expect from Kojima. The reviewist says while I admit Kojima is one of the most inventive game leads living and a genuine auteur I cannot reconcile the amazing design and concept of his games with the frankly terrible writing plotting and character designs. I will never stop wishing that Kojima would give up script writing and let a grown-up write the actual words. Meanwhile, Alex79 says, I think Kojima is a visionary and a genius. From Snatcher and Police Noughts to the Metal Gear series to PT and Death Stranding, I can't think of a game he made that was anything less than truly brilliant. I came to Death Stranding already holding Kojima on a pedestal and he didn't let me down. Uh, Gadget 8-Bit from our forum says, Death Stranding shouldn't work. A metaphysical, hyper-philosophical narrative set in a post-apocalyptic America, but also in the afterlife, or maybe between the place between this life and the next, with gameplay set around being the most badass postman in the world. Oh, and you've got a baby strapped to you, and ghosts want to eat you. But somehow, Kojima managed to put something into the game that makes it all gel together. I loved the almost meditative experience of exploring the world. The Icelandic vistas were beautiful, the crest of each hill rewarding me with a new favorite view. So, yeah, what what, if anything, from all the soup of Kojima's brain that we got, did the game say to you, did it actually did it did it work in in any in any strand, dare I say? Oh, um, that's a big question. I, I. I mean, it I think that it had some interesting ideas and it had some powerful even ideas in places but the delivery is just not there that that's the problem for me uh, maybe i don't know if i would have liked this better if it had been presented in a different for like if it hadn't been a video game would i have liked it more i don't know mm. um but i mean there's a lot in here that isn't necessarily video like just like we've been talking about the emails and the interviews and uh, just kind of all the um, the explanatory text that you can get from so many different places. So I I don't know if there was a better way to present a lot of that. 
um we we've all played games that have the you know codex or the uh the kind of history of the game tucked away i i was a big destiny player and that game was awful yeah. about delivering its uh its story uh, so i mean i i guess i'm talking around the issue but i i i like the idea of needing to reconnect everybody and how there are different ways to connect people like these people are still mm. not seeing each other in person and as somebody who has a lot of internet friends who you know doesn't really draw mm. a distinction between the fact that you are an internet friend or you are not an internet friend you know it's it as as somebody who doesn't necessarily see things that way i i think that his viewpoint that connection can come in different ways is an a good takeaway for me other mm. than that i i just don't know man there's there's a lot here and i it's hard to draw out it's hard for me to draw out specific threads or strands or whatever <laughs> that uh that really stuck i i i almost agree entirely with that sentiment that you just had leah i, I think the connection stuff is really interesting and has the potential to be even more interesting than it was presented in the game i also really like the idea that like bridges like i'm going to reconnect america and there's a bunch of people that are like nope we're good like we don't need government <laughs> we don't need you like like i do like like um specifically with the elder at first and the uh, you know um and later on, a couple of people up in the mountains who were just kind of like, you know, no, I just I just need you to bring me my supplies. I don't want to be a part of your, you know, weird dark web you're setting up. I think there's there's some really cool things to explore there. I just um, for me and I know I already mentioned it kind of before. It's these weird tonal shifts that just don't work for me that the the. So the extinction versus apocalypse, which I see here written in the show notes, is just like I like they wanted me to care so much about the 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 struggle that Amelie was going through as her nature as an extinction entity versus wanting humanity to survive and her caring for Sam mm. stuff and none of that absolutely none of that landed for me like I like I didn't skip a cutscene in this game I took notes on a bunch yeah. of them and everything else but by the end there I was just I was ready for like yeah I'm just end it you know it's like it, it, it's let's get this extinction event going let's <laughs> yeah let's like get, I said I tried yeah. I unloaded that yeah. gun into her and me it too. does yeah. nothing yeah so I I, I but I, I got what they were going for a little bit it's just some of the things really didn't did did not work on such a level that i that i just like really couldn't get behind much of it um i had a particular problem with the whole heartman section where heartman mm. is he's he's essentially going into cardiac arrest for you know what is it three minutes every hour every half hour um to go look for his family on the beach and he tells you this like really heartbreaking story about how he lost his wife and child and how he's going to look for them. He wants to reconnect with them. But then like, so he like passes out to do that. And then Sam like scratches his record player and he's giving you likes and he's like popping up during the president's inauguration. So later. Like It's like, yeah. so what am I supposed to take his search for his family seriously or is Hartman comic relief? And like mm -hmm. the fact that he's both does not work for me at all. And there's a bunch of, similar scenarios like that throughout the game that I just it just it just didn't work for me uh, almost at all on a narrative level just before we move on can I mention one thing that I did think was a bright spot um, absolutely I I really like the Mads Mikkelsen flashback scenes mm -hmm. from the point of view mm. of BB um, now this is this is very personal for me but but like um, having had two small children and a small child who was I'm not sure if I've ever shared this before um, I, my, my son was in the NICU 
um, the the neonatal uh, ICU um, right. when he was born for uh, about six weeks. He was very early. Mm. Um, so I kind of have had a bunch of out loud conversations with a baby behind yeah. glass. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so for me personally, those, and I, I think that Mads Mikkelsen is a wonderful actor anyway, but yeah. um, just as the parent of a small child, like th- there's this weird thing that we, we do. And I know that other parents have done it too, where you just, and people who do, people do it with their pets too. I did it with my dog before I did it. Like where you're having an out loud adult conversation with another <laughs> cool. living creature that, you know, doesn't understand a word of what you're saying, but you're still getting that emotional connection and companionship. Uh, mm. Those scenes, like it made me, the, basically, at the end of this game, the only person I, I had I felt for at all was Cliff Unger, and I think they bungled kind of the story stuff with the end at the end with him. But like, I found yeah. that character very relatable. Just like the guy who's like trying to do everything he can for his family and is kind of sucked into this whole machinery. So I just wanted to particularly shout that out because I thought that, and I thought it was just expertly acted by Mads Mikkelsen. I I, I really loved those scenes because. Because you know that in those acting booths and the vocal, like he he does, he has nobody else or nothing else to work with. But I really mm. felt like he cared about that BB, and I really felt like he cared about his wife who was who was there. And um, those those bits before I knew everything about the story, like just those flashback bits, I thought worked very very well. So I didn't want to be just completely negative because I I really did like those sections. Let's hear from a few more forum correspondents. Whippledip says, story-wise, it was a bit all over the place, and people who have been affected by a miscarriage or stillbirth might want to stay away. I've never played other Kojima games, so his worst excesses are things I'm aware of simply by gaming cultural osmosis, but they feel they're in full effect here. They feel like they're in full effect here. Some truly out-of-place dialogue. You know which line I'm referring to. I assume the one that Leah mentioned at the top of the show. Tonal whiplash with some of the performances and, of course, extremely overly long verbose exposition dumps both in dialogue and extraneous writing dumps in the forms of emails and whatnot. It also feels like some parts were wholly excised from the narrative, and so it requires you to to, uh, just take a lot of stuff on faith. Tommy Earl Jenkins, who plays Die Hardman, His final breakdown scene meant nothing to me, even though it was clearly supposed to. But in the game story, but the in-game story as it's presented didn't really warrant or properly build up to that event and just came off extremely melodramatic. Pecan Pie says, It was strange and telling of my immersion that by the end of the game, all the surreal ideas felt normal to me. At the point where I had to transport Mama to Lockney, my wife asked what was going on. My brain jammed up trying to find a place to start the explanation. I just shook my head, realising I was in deep and she would probably be more disturbed than interested hearing about me severing an already dead baby's umbilical cord so Mama can reunite, die and eventually merge into her twin sister who, by the way, is the actual mother of the baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's all accurate, yes. <laughs> that, that happened. That did happen. Pixel Hunted says, Death Stranding has a very special place in my heart. As the game was released, I was neck deep in the doomed campaign for Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party general election campaign. Almost every night I was walking around the dark and gloomy streets of London with a clipboard and list of addresses in hand, knocking on random people's doors and talking to them about politics. I'd come home exhausted and play Death Stranding for an hour or two before bed. So a tired Sam with sore feet trudging through a desolate landscape trying to connect people really resonated with me. And all that earnest Kojima writing and those blunt metaphors hit home. Obviously, the election was a crushing defeat. 
but I look back on all the connections and bonds I formed with fellow activists and think this was the perfect game at the perfect time. And the tea time. A new correspondent, I believe, from our forum says, at first I was pretty confused, but as I continued to play and reveal the meta game of building up the infrastructure of the world, I slowly began to understand the genius of what I was really playing, a triple A Marxist video game. What do I mean by this? This is a game about common working mail carriers saving the world by collectively funding public projects so that other mail carriers can keep people connected in a world destroyed by environmental catastrophe. Most games glorify the soldier killer as their protagonist. Death Stranding elevates a common worker. But most importantly, it doesn't do this by turning him into a soldier, but by having him simply do his job under extraordinary pressures. Even though Sandbridge's journey seems to revel in solitude towards the beginning, the game always reminds you that other people are never far. Whether it's an abandoned ladder, seeing new resources put into a road by another player, or simply yelling into the void and hearing a distant response, the player never really feels truly alone in this vast, barren landscape. I decided to play this game again last summer. As an American who's been stuck in my home for a full year now due to the COVID pandemic, this game has obviously taken on a totally new meaning than when I first played it in 2019. Even the ending, which admittedly seems to drag on forever in typical Kojima fashion, had me emotionally drained. I understand people's issues with this game, but if you're willing to look past some sometimes pretty glaring control issues, I think you'll find a truly revolutionary game that will hopefully shape the course of games design and philosophy for years to come. Food for thought. But let's talk about the, gra the graphics now. Now we've dealt with the complicated stuff. <laughs> Taz from the forum says, I love the atmosphere and the visuals, which were spectacular, even on the base PS4 I played it on. And Alex79 says, we were given a beautiful, desolate world to play in, and it felt real. The sights, the smells, the damp rain, the crunching snow, the wind in my hair as I descended down a mountain on a zip line. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's it, especially on the the director's cut. It's a gorgeous game. Like it looks really mm -hmm. good, and it runs well. Um, I yeah. at least in yeah. my experience, I I didn't have any problems with it at all. I I fell instantly in love with the world because because I was wondering, I'm like, oh, you're reconnecting America, and then and then I'm I live on the east coast of America, and then you and I've lived in dc um actually for a year i lived in the suburbs outside of washington dc and so when i walked out and i saw these like beautiful mountains and just this nature i was like oh this is i i could i can get down with this version um of the east coast and there's that one beautiful moment i think it's when you're leaving central nat city it's on one of your first delivery uh missions and you come over a couple a couple of the like little creeks and streams and you turn left and you can just see this valley between these two mountains and it's one of those times that the game I think does expertly well when the music cues in with like a particularly spectacular landscape and like a song started playing I, don't, I forget which one it was by it was by low roar I, I'm not sure which one it was yeah. and it just like and this is on the on the PS4 I was playing on at the time and I just remember mm. like just kind of stopping and just watching it yeah. all take place like th this is a gorgeous game that that knows that it's beautiful and uses it to his advantage at at multiple uh, times during the game, it's 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 a it's quite a looker. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Bleakly, breathtakingly atmospheric. The water uh, once it's on the ground, we well, I don't think we've talked about timefall, but rain in this game world ages you rapidly. Uh, but it doesn't once it's landed; it's just water again. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and and not only that, that I, I love the sort of the 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 basic environment that that most of the map is this kind of yeah in the style of Iceland, I guess, with um, kind of short grasses and rocks and uh, rocky streams and this kind of stuff. But actually, once you once you've been across this version of North America, there's probably more variety than I was anticipating. There's volcanic areas and uh, deserty, slightly more deserty areas, mountain snow areas. And um, yeah, where I suppose where Ghost of Tsushima is a, a richly gorgeous, lush, beautiful game, this kind of um, makes me feel more like I'm, you know, out some of the places, some of the more remote places I've been, like uh, in the uh, northwest coast of Ireland and places like that. It's got that that beautiful, rocky, um, yeah, slightly desolate, but ultimately, yeah, yeah, it, uh, lush. It reminded me a lot. There's uh, near near me. I, I live quite near the Great Lakes in uh, North America, and uh, there's a couple great hikes around Lake Ontario. There's these bluffs, the um. That kind of, uh, they're, they're very unique for our landscape. We don't get many actual naturally formed bluffs and in these bays from these lakes, right. there's these natural bluffs. And, and this game just, it just, it captured that spirit per, uh, just perfectly with the, just the way the wind and, and the, the elements kind of howling through. And, um, it, it, it has that breath of the wild feel to the open world without, without the cartoonish nature of it, I guess. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. yeah, it just, it, it, it paints just a, such a, well-realized picture um and that really goes into a lot of the gameplay too which i know we're going to talk about soon but like it makes you kind of at least me it made me personally much more okay with trudging through this world you know it it made a lot of sense like the 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 world itself became that physical obstacle but it's also something that i came to greatly appreciate too it's, it's pretty pretty phenomenal one thing I, I think the uh, talking about the the beauty of the world obviously is one thing and and the art skill that that take it takes to bring that to life but i also think the visual design and the, the technical artwork on stuff like all the containers the 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 stuff that you carry and the vehicles and the way it looks as it ages rapidly in the time fall the rust and 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 all that just uh, yeah everything just looks pristine not as in it, it looks pristine to start with and then it doesn't it quickly doesn't look pristine but um but this the the, the cold design of this world is this very um it's kind of brutalist utilitarian post yeah it's this post cataclysm stuff where it, it it is futuristic and and it, it is visibly sci-fi tech and it's post chiralium tech uh i guess it's a bit like um tiberium in command and conquer in that respect um but it's also uh, it's yeah it's functional rather than um fancy i guess for the most part you know battery powered trucks that uh that take you from here to there and uh well you mentioned the environmental sound there brian as regards to the uh the rugged landscape and and the wind and rain selling that um I think there's some really strong stuff in there. Ludwig Forsell is uh, is the lead on all of the sound, I think. Um, and I also love his incidental music with uh, with specific mention to the music that plays when the BTs arrive. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love that. Yep. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's but wonderful. there's also, I mean, yeah. it's also worth noting that a lot of this game just doesn't have music. 
Um, yeah. It's employed in, especially when you're like approaching a, a new city, oftentimes you will get a uh, a new track uh, or, and, and sometimes jingle. like you say. Or a new song. Yes. Uh, and sometimes, yeah. you know, as you say with, uh, with the BT music, you know, there, there are places where you get music, but a lot of the time, if you are just driving down a road or something, it's just, it's just the ambient noise. Like there isn't uh, always a soundtrack, which is kind of unusual yeah. for a game like this. And probably the most prominently featured artist otherwise is Low Raw, which is uh, Icelandic post-rock electronica uh, from American immigrant Ryan Karazija, I guess you say it. Um, and yes, his music sounds, It's uh, it's got a kind of, it's uh, it does sound like it's out of yeah like a more contemplative indie film a bit of Radiohead to it a bit of um, bit of Björk bit of uh, uh, Bonnie Vare that kind of stuff um, and I I thought Kojima had obviously yeah he I, I guess he'd heard this stuff and just thought it would fit with the with the landscape and um, yeah for me it, it worked every time I really like some of those songs Mechner. On this says, sweet Jesus, does Kojima have an ear for good music? Low Raw became one of my favourites after this game. Uh, on the sound, yes, uh, Ben77 million says, months after finishing this game, I can still recall vividly the discordant screech of being detected by mules, the sound of Sam's strand tightening around the limbs of an incapacitated foe and the impeccably realised rust that would accumulate on wet cargo. Death's Stranding verisimilitude is artful in a manner I found distinct from other blockbuster titles. Its flawless recreation of things like wet gloves, splashing tar and muddy skin does more to ground me in its setting than any amount of exposition could. The game contains reams of text that explain the history of its settings and the science behind its systems, but for me it wasn't the exhaustive lore that made this bizarre world feel believable. It was the painstaking precision with which the minor details were rendered. I could not agree more with Ben 77 million. That's just the most articulate way. Uh, I could more, more so than I could have found to say exactly how I feel about this game, which is, it is the, the texture and the atmosphere, the mood, the setting of the game, which means more to me ultimately than any of the, the kind of the story craziness. I can happily just spend hours just being in the game world delivering because it's such an immersive atmospheric and space did. in which to exist. <laughs> yeah, you sort of did. That well yeah. that was the thing, right? Is that I I liked being in that world enough to to do that. Like I I really yeah. enjoyed there's um I don't think we mentioned that a lot you can opt to have quite a bit of the sound come through your controller uh and i did okay uh, i tend to turn that off yeah for, no uh, i i kept that reason. i kept that on <laughs> yeah. um most uh, well maybe not most but uh, a, a lot idea. of what comes through is like bb's vocalizations you know and and crying sometimes but also you'll get things yeah. like if you're walking you will hear like the crunching of the rocks underneath your feet and there's something really pleasing uh, about that sound to me yeah. I, I don't know what yeah, exactly yeah. it was very similar yeah. to breaking of holy water in a Castlevania, if you will. Um, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it's it, it's when nobody's talking, it's a really coherent world. <laughs> That's the quote. That we need. <laughs> there to you say. go. You can have that one, Kojima. You can put that in the box. On the back of the box. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, designer Matt 
from our forum says, Death Stranding was the first Kojima game I'd ever tried, and I went in uncertain how I'd feel. I'd seen trailers and was intrigued by what seemed to be a slow-paced, dreamy tone and beautiful Icelandic-inspired landscape, but was less enamoured by what looked like a convoluted plot and some really weird character names. I love walking simulators like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and Firewatch, and had adored my many hours spent in the wilderness of Red Dead Redemption 2. So the idea of slowly making your way across a quiet, beautiful landscape really appealed. The reality, however, for me at least, was instead quite tedious and frustrating. I'd spend most of my time falling over small pebbles or stumbling around in circles, unsure how to get over the next hill. When I did finally reach my destination, I'd be given some long cutscenes of Norman Reedus and his friends talking exposition, which, to be honest, bored me and even made me laugh in places. The dialogue and acting seemed really clunky, and I got lost among all the acronyms and jargon they used without really understanding what was going on. I really wanted to like this, and hopefully I gave it a fair chance, but eventually I only managed a few missions across a few hours of play before I decided I'd rather put the time into something else, and unstalled it from my PS4. I guess Kojima games must be an acquired taste, and not for me, after all. I'm sure that experience will be reflected in the uh, in the ears of many people listening to this show those people who have already given up on the game but are interested in our podcast and uh, don't care about the spoilers the gameplay uh, is obviously a big topic in itself the kojima book creative gene how books movies and music inspired the creation of death stranding and metal gear solid has a quote kojima says Death Stranding is an especially new kind of game and I worry about whether it will be accepted or not. Playing the game is kind of like climbing Mount Fuji by yourself. It can be a hard time. You might stop partway and think, why am I putting myself through this much trouble and give up? But when you climb all the way to the summit and see the rising sun and all the effort and hardship will be validated, you'll probably start to cry. But that's the kind of game it is. You can't cry if you turn back without going all the way to the summit. It's interesting that he Which says so, by yeah. yourself, given what the focus of connection yeah. is. <laughs> and, and I don't even just mean connection between the characters. Um, I, I think we're probably going to talk about this, mm. but um, you get a lot of help, or you can get a lot of help if you are playing online from buildings and, um, and yes. uh, structures and facilities, yeah, facilities structures, that, yeah. that have yeah. been created in the world by other players which can be yeah. very helpful at times but there's something really the the community aspect of playing this game and uh the gameplay itself i i really do like like just the getting back and forth i find it's so often we sprint through video game worlds without like making like like taking a lot of our surroundings into mm. account and this game you have to, is the exact opposite it makes you care about the rocks you're climbing over and and whether or not like even just something as simple as going like down a hill a little bit when you're when your target is yeah. is is higher in elevation than you but just to make it like a more secure path for whatever you're walking or driving up it's um it's very um intentional you have to take a very intentional approach but but there's something so brilliant about the community aspect that like sometimes I would come out of my so I'd load my save state. I'd be, let's say, at the distribution center west of Lake Nat City or whatever. And I I get up and I get Sam. I get myself in my back. And then I open up my like menu to go. And then in the shared garage, there's just a truck there that somebody left. Yeah. 
And it's just like, wow. And then I can like that truck and like and let that person know without actually talking to them. Hey, this was really this was really useful to me right now. And and then mm. the same thing with bridges you come across or generators that are well placed, um, timefall shelters, um, portable um, uh, safe points or um, like safe rooms. Yeah. Like these these things that to the point where where later on in the game, especially when I was in the mountain section. Like if there was a like a long drought of like nothing in between, I would be like, well, I'm bringing ceramics, I'm bringing this, I'm gonna make something up there. And then the next time I log in, I see all the people that liked that thing that I made, and it made their journey up the mountain easier. I mean, that was just such a. It seems so simple, and it must have been crazy hard to implement. I I know nothing about actual making games, but yeah, wow. What I think what's really impressive about just that brilliant. is that like you can't. You can't screw over other players, like, it, and that's that's something that for me is always mm. kind of a little iffy about multiplayer stuff. Is that people can be kind of mean, uh, to put it to put oh, it yeah. nicely. Um, but yeah. here you never actually see the other players. Like you can't see them. There, there. It's mm. not a multiplayer game, but you can see the effects of what they have done and whether they yeah. have done this for themselves and don't care about other people or whether like Brian, maybe they, you know, had, had intended to make it easier, not only for themselves, but for everybody else who's coming this way too. Either way, it's still helping people out. And, you know, like liking somebody, if, if you, it doesn't cost you anything like you're not limited in the mm. number of likes you can. I think you're limited in that. Like you can only there's a cooldown. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a yeah. cooldown. But but like you don't have to spend any resources in order to no. to give people likes or, or anything like that. It costs you nothing and it rewards the other player with nothing other than just feeling good that you helped somebody else or feeling good that you mm. got helped by somebody else just like a perfectly p placed bridge in an area that you were it was just a pain in the butt for you to get across before like that stuff's just so cool and so smoothly implemented to when it like finally becomes live like when you get a place on the chiral network that all of a sudden everybody else's structures and stuff it's up you can see them and so you might have like just trudged to a really rural place and then you get them on the network and you come out and there's ropes and ladders and generators. It's just, it's so, hmm. it's like you're, you're turning the world back on. And man, those moments for me work so well. I, um, yeah, I just, I can't say enough about that part. I, I really got a, a thrill out of like, like putting up a ladder that for me was just a, a convenient way to get from one point to another. And the, and over the course of whatever I was doing and then to come back on the next time I played and found out that like I got 10,000 likes because there must have been a hundred other people <laughs> that did the same thing like that's that really made me feel like I was part of something you know what I mean like uh, mm. it's pretty pretty neat I, I really love that I suppose the, the one place that I wanted to start with the gameplay though is the actual walking about uh, with stuff on your back so uh, it's been uh, posited that Kojima was particularly inspired by the traditional soba deliverers, soba noodle deliverers in Japan. Generally, they'd be on a bicycle rather than a electro trike, but um, or sometimes they'd just be uh, on foot. But these these people will traditionally stack piles and piles and piles and piles of boxes on top of one another and hold them on their shoulders and balance them as they cycle up and down the, the streets of whatever Japanese town they're delivering noodles to. And if you look at some of these photos, you can see it's absolutely looks like uh, Sam Porter Bridges with all the with all the stuff on his back. Now, as you go through the game, you, you kind of the, the 
your stats improve, your tech develops, um, you get you know, more cool devices. And in the director's cut, they've added some even more helpful stuff. Um, but the core of the gameplay here, when you're outside a vehicle in particular, is, yeah, it is literally schlepping with a load of stuff on you, trying to get the balance right, holding the right left and right triggers in to, to regain your balance. Um, and I think, again, at its best, when this works, it works really well. But I think, and especially when there are vehicles involved, while I think it must have been incredibly hard to make a world that kind of functioned in this way and have locomotion that worked in this way with hugely varying amounts of cargo on your back in different configurations and and different kinds of landscapes to get over, there are some points where the physics and the kind of mechanics and the animation all go kind of a bit haywire you can kind of break the physics going up mountains if you're on especially if yeah. you're on a bike depending on what angle your uh camera yeah. is at uh i yeah. went up some very steep slopes that i don't think i was supposed to be able yes. to go up um, right yeah so yeah yeah and the handling and the physics on these things is kind of wacky you can sort of tell why it is like it is but sometimes it is a little maddening they they've come up with some interesting solutions like i had one where what's quite a common situation is you go into a, a bt hazard area the time fall starts and you're in a truck because you want to make some deliveries and so the bts they start as these oily tar monsters and they come and drag you out of your truck so you try to you basically try to oh, I, my technique was basically to run out of the tarry yeah. area and wait for the tar to disappear before creeping back to to your truck but you can yeah you can end up in all all kinds of wacky situations where your your stuff gets all thrown out of the truck um or your truck just sits there for hours in the in the time fall getting demolished by the by the <laughs> aging of the rain um you can yeah you can kind of it's it's hard to describe it you can kind of go on these kind of pretty wacky journeys and where it all feels like very suboptimal and and herky jerky compared to the idea is that throughout the game, you and your other players who you may or may not interact with, I don't know how the maths is being worked behind the scenes, build up a network of main, well-maintained roads like the infrastructure bill you've just had signed in the USA. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, the idea is that everyone gets together and um, puts much needed uh, funding into uh, into getting people from A to B with bridges and roads. And I do wonder, like a really beautifully serviced game world i don't know how the instancing works or anything um might actually be really quite easy to get around because for me maybe i didn't put enough effort in on my part but i still do a lot of kind of driving up and down mountains in a truck thinking this was a bad so idea. Yeah. i built yeah, all absolutely. the roads um and i wow. do mean all the roads i and there are still places that like the roads don't go uh, okay. so i, I mean right. it does make it considerably easier don't get me wrong um but yeah, yeah. Th there are still some places like it it's it's always going to be difficult to get down into Hartman's area. Um, but yes, once you yeah. kind of you can set up um, zippy line. Things yes. As well, uh, and that that's actually yeah. what I ended up doing for like that kind of side of the map. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's <laughs> if you if you manage to get the entire way around with the roads, they actually do end up connecting kind of up above where the weather station is. Um, and it just uh -huh. kind of goes all the way around the map, uh, which is, is pretty cool, but it takes a oh, very long neat. time and a lot of ceramics because... Yeah, I yeah I never finished. Oh, ceramics. 
Um, <laughs> like kind of kind of towards that third terrible. that third act um yeah. when you're kind of like it's kind of starting to tell you you're going to go down the story weeds pretty soon i i, I kind of had to make that decision like am i going to do all this now or i'm going to come back to it later and i, I made the come back to it later so i never finished all the roads mm-hmm. but but what when, when they're conveniently placed i mean it does make you know, getting those stars a whole heck of a lot easier. It sure does, oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, they, like I said, there are still a few places that, like, you have to, but the road will get you pretty close in a lot of situations, and then you just kind of have to know where to, something that I did start doing towards the back half, or back third, maybe, of the game, um, mm. was the feature where you can kind of plot a, a path on the map, Um you can kind of like set a series of waypoints and it will just show you a dotted line that is going towards your next waypoint when you are uh, yeah. out uh, on your bike or walking or whatever you're doing. Um, and I found that to be really useful, particularly up in the mountains where um, a lot of places it looks like it should be a straight line from A to B. But if you kind of mm. use the right stick to tilt your map, you will see that A to B actually goes all the way over the top of a very steep mountain. Um, and maybe if you go mountains. around the side, it's a little bit easier. So, yeah, I that yeah. that's something that I didn't find necessary until until I kind of got into the snowy bits. And then I... I found it to be almost indispensable because otherwise I was just going to be swearing while trying to get my reverse strike up a mountain because I was not going to leave it there. Is this the most densely annotated video game map (sighs) yet? Oh, there's a lot. Oh boy. There is a lot. lot. Especially when you're scanning the the... most complex looking. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's, I think it's really neat. Like I think, I think it's presented very well. Like I think functions. Yeah. The functions amazing. I think I really like the kind of, that that weird kind of blue holographic tone to kind of everything. It even comes like with the codex and everything. Like it's it's stylish. Yeah, retro future. Yeah, kind it's, of, it, yeah, I really like the look of it. But boy, there's just a lot. And then it could, you could like come those things, especially when you start implementing your scanner and everything. And just like you scan the landscape and you just see, well, there's 14 forgotten packages. There's ceramics. There's <laughs> yeah. cryptobios. There's this. There's that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It can become overwhelming. Um. It, yes, I started the you game focus. being that guy who wanted to pick up everything and take care of everything. And you, become, <laughs> you, you, you find out very quick that you can't do that. Um, Don't do that. Yeah, what, what, I'm actually interested in trying out a couple other similar games. Like I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go down the full American trucking simulator thing yet. But um, <laughs> um but maybe like a it did make me think like of a that. Rebel yeah. Galaxy yeah. Outlaw, where you're just kind of like a space trucker with a little bit of story. Like yeah. Like, this seems to... Elite Dangerous yeah, has been mentioned yes, as Elite a game Dangerous. that this is Games like, that yeah. I've never really considered. And I think what really got me into this one was was like the initial mystique of the story and the world and everything else. But but I really just... I got a lot of satisfaction just bringing things to places and like picking orders that yeah. I knew were like grouped in geographical areas to maximize the efficiency of my route. And I was doing none of this to progress the story, like just for my own satisfaction... And there is something very, I, I don't know where it, may, where it is, like, because uh, like, it, it, it's on some level you'd think it would feel like work, but, like, I, I remember yeah. last week I made myself a late night pot of coffee, which I rarely do, and I got a cup of coffee and I sat down and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to make some deliveries. And it was like two hours yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. pure satisfaction. Yeah. Um, it's what I've been doing since I finished yeah, the game. Yeah, for sure. awesome. I find it soothing. I love it. Yeah. And maybe not all yeah. of the, the five-star places that I got to were quite as soothing as maybe some of the places that I did earlier on in the game. But there's, right. yes. yeah, I mean, it's, it's to me, it was similar to something I also recently played um, Unpacking. And 
it's it's yes, it's that you know it's kind of it's mm. something that you are doing a task that is a mundane task and that is like a chore for a lot or a job for a, a lot of people but when you're not being forced to do it and can just kind of take the satisfaction in things being well ordered and you know yeah. and just checking things off a checklist i'm a big checklist person i like checklists and this this is full of checklists um so yes. yeah I, One big I, I got i got a lot out of that Tolkien taters from the forum says i'm one of the people who just couldn't get on with the game i played about 15 hours and couldn't bring myself to keep playing it looked fantastic had great music and an interesting way of gamifying traversal but to have all the somewhat tedious missions end with a boring conversation with a hologram wasn't enough to motivate me to keep playing. I'm glad an interesting high-budget game like this exists. I just really wish the writing was better. A more compelling script and character might have kept me playing. I didn't get attached to Sam and got tired of the writing that bashed you over the head with its message in every other line of dialogue and name. The setting and idea for the world was incredibly creative, but the execution was lacking. Mark Hoog says, I started getting quite annoyed after reaching the snowy part of the world, which turns the game into steep without the neat tricks. At the end of the day, I want to enjoy a game first and foremost. And while I've enjoyed at least 40 plus hours of the game, I had to drag myself across the endless final, endless final stretch towards the finish line. Yeah, it did. Uh, there are points where it, uh, it feels like a, a return to Skyrim uh, in the mountains for sure. Uh, but yes, um, what are they called? The the zip lines, they're your friends. Yeah, for sure. I guess, yeah. Whippledip says, all your actions, as much as the dialogue and acting in this, feel like a contribution to the story being told and the themes it's trying to explore. This is truly one of those times where it's a story that can only really be told through a game. Every time I returned from a journey, battered and bruised and drained of my resources, I had a little smile, knowing that my work now would not only make my job from now on easier, but also easier for some other poor sap just trying to do the same as I already have. I'll never meet them, I'll never see them, I'll never know who they are, but it doesn't matter because my actions have helped to lift someone somewhere out of trouble. Well said. And and likes. Yeah, and likes, of course. <laughs> and yeah. plus, Those plus sweet, likes. sweet likes, yes. <laughs> So the the game isn't heavily combat focused at all. There is some combat and some stealth if you choose to engage with it. There's a certain amount you can actually extricate yourself from. I really enjoyed the BT sections, although, like, for example, today in this post game, I ended up in one timefall storm where it just it just clearly didn't feel like it was ever going to end. And there were just more and more and more BTs. And I was just wandering around them. Uh, usually using the stealth kill, the uh, the the umbilical cut, um, for the most part, with the odd little bit of uh, grenade, uh, blood grenade yeah. thrown in for yeah. good the measure. BT handgun, but I was super just... handy. Yeah, Sh shooting shooting uh, your own bodily fluids at things. <laughs> only only Sam can do this because we haven't even talked about repatriation and dooms. Oh my um, god! But, um, <laughs> yeah, game game stuff, story stuff. Um. Uh, but yeah, for me, the uh, I'm now at the point where I'm not overly because I know the game's pretty kind of gentle in terms of you know fail states and killing you. So I'm slight, I'm less scared than I was. But I got to say, the first few 
dozen times I found myself in BT heavy areas. I just think this was really uh, Kojima flexing his post PT survival horror muscles. Although the gameplay is, is combat and stealth, the actual feel was yeah, genuinely chilling. Absolutely. And I think it, it, one of the interesting things about all these encounters is that most of them can be solved by just walking away, you know, like going mm-hmm. around or, or sneaking your way through. You, you, you really don't have to engage with any type of combat outside of the boss fight, the, the encounters they make. Even you. some bosses you can walk yeah. away from. The in-map yeah. bosses you can actually yep. leave. Yeah. And eventually they'll go away. But yes, there's a few set piece yeah. ones that you can't. But they, it yeah. just, that, that atmosphere it creates um, uh, really yeah. is something striking and, and, and can kind of take your breath away with, how, uh, uh, with yeah. how, how terrifying it can be. Especially when um, there's a couple of places before you get a lot of the, the things that you can use to deal with enemy encounters, it, it can be really scary to go through a BT area in particular. Yeah, you don't um, even also, get that umbilical cut until after the mama it's late, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, which right. is after chapter three, which, as we already talked before, that, that's... Ten yeah, hours long. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> At least. And, yeah, yeah and, and also yeah. there is a section where you don't have uh, BB with you, and BB is how you are able to uh, detect BTs. Yes. BBBT. There's a lot of Plugged acronyms into your in Odra deck. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it, you can Beach still things. kind of see them, um, but you have to get much closer um yeah, and yeah. it is a lot more nerve-wracking when you know that they're around but you can't quite see where they are and you know you might stumble upon one at any moment that that to me was a lot more stressful than yeah, uh absolutely. than maybe the rest of the game ended up being and even the mule fight so the mules are these uh here's another bit of story Addicted to are... and deliveries <laughs> thank you yeah this is amazon culture um Oh, in Kojima's mind uh, and even they uh, again with the, the fantastic sound design I think and the um, and the fact that they absolutely peg it after you even though they're not particularly great shots uh, they come after you in hordes in vans they come from come at you they from will run you down if be... you if they are in a yeah. they're in a truck and they see you this happened to me more than once out at, by the uh, there's a big field of them out uh, in front of the timefall farm and um yeah, yeah there, there's like one set of them that's trucking around in a truck and yeah. if they see you they will <laughs> just come zooming towards you and try to run you over and they yeah. did catch me the the section outside of mountain knot city just destroyed me i mean every time i went through they'd be you know i'd be i'd be driving my truck through i got this and all of a sudden there's like 10 shock spears that all hit my truck <laughs> and i'm rolling out of there i'm running out of bola gun shots um yeah those can be those can be a lot of fun and a lot of um but also quite frustrating if you're like yeah. if you really just want to yeah. get from point A to point B with your stuff. Like yes. it can Yeah. They definitely serve as appropriate obstacles, but um it can be sometimes disheartening, like where you're just going through and you know you're just gonna get out and wait for them to come and either bolo them or, or shock them and uh it does kind of get a little mundane, I guess, after a certain amount of time. I didn't kill anyone throughout the entire game, right? Yeah, me either, um, yeah. because there's always a non lethal option. And there's no real reward as such for that the reward is not having to dispose of the body so in the game's law if you kill a person and you don't incinerate the body they uh, explode and become a they become a void out event basically the the same things that were the death stranding necrotize and Uh, become uh, an atomic bomb essentially (laughs) yes what happened was right so i killed someone by simply chose the wrong ammo and killed a mule uh 
And then it said, you're going to need to dispose of this body. So you go up to it, zip it in a body bag. And then just as I was about to make off with this corpse, because the game said, don't uh, don't let it explode. I got taken down by a leather, another load of mules. Um, and then so I, I kind of got, I, yeah, I got knocked out. I think my, possibly I partially knocked myself out with my own stun gas. Let's, yeah, anyway. Um, and but the time I came back, around the body was no longer there so i don't know what happens and maybe they took i don't know the, what uh, incinerator yeah okay that's a good way of thinking of it um that would make sense because he would have exploded all up in their yeah, camp that's true. um yeah what what does actually happen in the game if you leave bodies everywhere does it actually rebuild the landscape full of craters can you actually get caught in a void out i just genuine genuinely so don't i do know I, I i was thinking about this trying to remember if i had killed anybody and i i did kill somebody by accident i think i i yeah. like ran him can, over and happen. i also died at the same time uh because when uh -huh. i came back there was there was a crater um wow. yeah and and it was i'm trying to remember where it was um I, I'm not sure. This tech is amazing. But, uh, but so yeah, there, could, there was a pretty significant crater. Um, I, I don't know how many of those you'll get. I don't know how extensive that is, say, but how, it is a thing that could can you, happen. Yeah. yeah like, what happens if you run into a uh, mule camp and just mow everybody down? <laughs> like, maybe I'll know. try that later. I mean, I shouldn't. And but, what's yeah. the minimum safe distance? Can, and can you watch while the void, the void out yeah, happens? Interesting. There's a lot yeah. of stuff I still haven't explored. Because I've seen some criticisms from video essayists and stuff saying that Although this game, you know, has a fascinating open world and a lot of interesting mechanics, perhaps there isn't quite as much to do and play with as there is in, say, Metal Gear Solid Five or Breath of the Wild. But actually, I think there's some interesting stuff. It's just a bit different to those games. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's weird. Uh, ben seventy seven million again on on mules says I didn't realize how deftly Kojima had played me until a discussion with my coworker a few days after we'd both bought the game at launch. I had posited that the concept of the mules was absurd, a group of mysterious nuisances obsessed with stealing cargo because the act of delivering things was such a thrill. That anyone could get so much out of mindlessly distributing things seemed ridiculous to me. My colleague asked how far into the story I'd gotten. I said that my progress had ground to a halt because I'd fallen into a loop of zigzagging between outposts dropping things off. Just the act of making drop-offs is pretty fun, actually, I said. You sound like a mule, said my co-worker. The penny dropped. Many aspects of this game's story failed to click with me in the way that the ingenious conceit behind the mules did, but this realisation that I had inadvertently become a member of the CDA from Monsters, Inc. struck a chord with me. On the BTs, Safepoint says, the imagery of the BT as it glided lonely through the landscape, as it clustered desperately, clutching at that living being who walked amidst them, desperate to hold on to life, but also to bring that being into its inner darkness and turmoil. These images are so suggestive of the fear of death, grief, depression and loneliness. While the game is about making those connections with others, we are in many ways so suggestive of life. I recall so well the cathartic experience I had trekking over the narrow mountain pass through the fraught gauntlet of BTs and then finally reaching that point overlooking the valley and Portnot City and the asylum for the feeling song plays as you slowly descend. I felt such a surge of relief and sadness mixed together, and it was then I, that I knew this game was a masterpiece. 
Yeah, the the biology of the BT, or I'm not sure if you call it biology, but just the design of the BTs mm. is something mm. I find incredibly haunting. When you hit that scan and you can just see like four yeah. of the five phantoms with their cords connecting to the ground, like the, hanging yeah, in the air. Yeah, it, it reminds me of when I was a kid. I remember, I think it was either 12 or 13, the movie Braveheart came out. Um, this it, this is, mm. is connecting anyway. Um, and my I, I convinced my dad that I was old enough to see it, and I think it was like 12 or 13. <laughs> and. Um, and, I, and most of it didn't affect me at all, but there was a scene at the very beginning of that movie where, where uh, as a young boy, a character enters a room where there are bodies that have been hung, and it was a pretty graphic mm. scene, and it reminded me of that yeah. when you would see these, it, it seemed, it felt like hanging mm. body, but just, it just rather than it being from a noose, they were kind of connected via the umbilical cord, it just had that, that like haunting lifelessness to it, that uh, it, it yeah. it's still like in the right in the right spot even though i played you know now almost 100 hours of this game combined like in the right area you get a you get a whiff of those bt's and you see them kind of floating around you it can it can really mm. kind of make my hair stand on end yeah and it always accompanied of course with the uh, with the rainfall and that ludwig forsell soundtrack yeah uh and the I the like whirling it. clicking of your Odra deck there on your shoulder, just being like, yes. get out of here. You know, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And sometimes BB's wailing or Lou, <laughs> Louise is wailing. Uh, there's also the, uh, there's also a bit of close quarters combat. Should you want it? There's a few little special moves. You also have a, uh, your equivalent for the living to your cord cutting knife is uh, your strand, which is again, for reasons I can't quite remember, basically it's a. It looks like a climbing rope hanging from your belt, but it's got your blood woven <laughs> yes, exactly. into it, yeah. and therefore you can tie people up with it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> quite. That's, I got nothing. It's not I, wrong I as far as I can remember. <laughs> no, no, that's completely accurate. I, I, I think you have. I think the only time you have to use it is in the boss fight with Higgs. That's actually. I was going to bring that up. That was the first time I ever used sense. it. Oh, I tried okay. no, I use the it. um actually I I did the um uh the fighting the the shooting range um trials Oh yes yeah um, yeah yeah uh, and I've done there all are these. a couple of yeah. those you you get it's mostly cosmetic stuff but you get some stuff out of them um but yeah. you know just to kind of practice and see what the different weapons were like cuz I mostly had the uh, one loadout that I I had my uh my non-lethal assault yeah, rifle sure. a BT handgun There's some fun weapons a, yeah. um, I think the combat is solid and, um something else. oh the uh, the bullet gun I I carried the three of those but um yeah the yeah. uh the it's kind of neat like if you want to go that way it's it's a little tricky and I imagine in in higher difficulties it's probably very difficult to mm. sneak up on people but it's quite effective if you can if you can make it work yeah, I was such yeah. a bullet yeah. gun user from the beginning, and that shotgun is kind of the first one they give you. Um, but after that fight with Higgs, I did end up going into that training room quite a bit and playing around with a lot of the weapons. And there is a lot of combat depth. I wouldn't say even combat depth, it's, it, but the interesting weaponry there that you really don't have to yeah. use aside from those few instances if you don't want yes. to. Yeah, I think a few things were introduced for the director's cut. The uh, the Mazer gun, is yep. it? There's the yep. electrifying gun. Uh, and a few other things and those combat trials themselves but yeah if um, again for uh, there was obviously a certain amount of um kowtowing to the the MGS crowd with with some of the director's cut stuff uh, the the extra mission which gives you some more backstory about the how the BBs came about the the bridge babies and their link between the living the, the living world and the dead uh, but the actual mission 
features very obviously MGS inspired music and uh, sort of environs within which you can actually do the whole solid snake sneak around and uh, tie people up and cuff them out or do what i did and do the first couple that way before it all goes to pot and then you just fire <laughs> yep. grenades yep. at them from across the room uh, yes the, in the traditional the fashion. patented brian edwards hitman game approach <laughs> That's how that works. same same <laughs> yep. same yeah i i did not something else um just since we're on the uh the subject of uh, stuff that got added for the director's cut. I did not even mm. touch the racetrack thing. Did you guys? Oh no, no. I built it. I got an email or something one. about it. That's yeah. like, hey, somebody's added yeah. stuff to the racetrack. I'm like, that's nice. Bye. Track mania, anyone? Yeah, you, had um, to, you had to go build no. it. It was like yeah. a like a road like thing. You, <laughs> yeah. had to, you went. You get to like the racetrack terminal, like field of dreams, and then you have to p- provide the materials. And then I did one of the the events, and I got the roadster, and okay. that was pretty much it, though. I moved on. Uh, I can't say much more about it other than it's yeah, just well. another thing to build, another cool thing oh, to interact with. Gets you a new I bike, I wonder if I have to do that to get the building. Oh, no, I'm going to have to look at that up. I don't know. Yeah. Go, go find some more ceramics. Uh, <laughs> I've used them all. They're all gone. Yeah. Does it, I guess the world can't run out of I would assume not. I think resources. they slowly regenerate in the, um, in the um, – outposts maybe uh, it seemed like yeah I, i'm not sure oh though. yeah I bet plus of stuff yeah. of course stuff comes in from other players yep. nominally uh i guess everyone who plays it does the thing that i did which is the claiming lost cargo at the way stations and then immediately handing it all in yeah. just for likes yeah just That's for good. likes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah luke 10123 from the forum uh yeah this is where i was Minded of that earlier comment, for some reason, says Luke, the gameplay made me think of Elite Dangerous of all things. I'd loved setting myself up as an intergalactic limousine driver come bounty hunter, and I suppose that's not far from the gameplay of Death Stranding. This just involved a lot more inventory management and less spaceships. I found the hiking gameplay surprisingly enjoyable, taking in the beautiful game world as I climbed a mountain or expertly laid a ladder across a deadly gorge was a real joy, and I was almost annoyed to be interrupted by BTs or bandits. I rarely found myself engaging either in combat if I could help it. One of the goals I set for myself was to build roads between all the major locations. This took absolutely ages, but I felt real satisfaction when I was finished. Only then did I realise that roads degrade over time, and eventually all my hard work and effort was literally for nothing. I was so annoyed by this, (laughs) I genuinely considered quitting and playing something else instead. But I still really enjoyed the moments where I was alone with a fully laden pack and had to navigate a particularly difficult section of terrain. The gameplay would then be a puzzle to solve more than anything, and it was incredibly satisfying to get my cargo delivered on time and in one piece. The issue is this doesn't prepare you at all for the game's boss battles, which at times feel like they could be from another game entirely. Some BT boss fights look like they could be from a Resident Evil game. The Clifford fights take place in Call of Duty-esque battlefields. And the last phase of the final boss is almost a copy-paste of Old Snake's last battle against Liquid Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid 4. I feel like having to deliver a really awkward to balance cargo over difficult terrain on foot against the clock would have been more suitable. Then again, this is a Hideo Kojima game. I expected something totally unique and I can't complain that that's exactly what I got. If nothing else, that the game feels so different to anything else on the market is something to be celebrated. 
uh, note on the roads, you can repair them and it's a lot easier than building them in the first place. Um, yeah, So sure. that, that was what I did towards the end of the game when I had more chiral crystals than I knew what to do with was like I would just go down the road and just repair with a bunch of crystals. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something to be said about the fact that we expect permanence in a lot of not in every if it was a resource you know a city building simulator or something like that but a lot of games like action games we expect permanence and when it isn't there when whether it's time or something else that takes away our achievements i think that's a real uh slap in the face for some kinds of players i i i really like what um luke said about the bosses because um i i felt that way i in fact i think i uh messaged leah on the caner and slack about um, all in caps about like why does Higgs have a BT kaiju that he's mar- yep. that he he's put your, he's put your sister <laughs> slash maybe girlfriend in the yeah. chest of slash and mom then, don't forget that slash mom um, <laughs> and then you, they're marching down the streets and like so like I could totally see that throwing other people off um, for me personally mm. like and this is not I'm not saying this reductively but like I like anime and like other kind of ridiculous <laughs> so like when I so when like mm. these type when this when the the flying BT space whale shows up and I got to shoot it. Like I get kind of like excited, you know, or like, you know, at least I'm, I'm willing to take that yeah. step because I like those types of things. But if you were just solely into the delivery part of this game and then that stuff happens, you got to kind of be like, wait, yeah, what's going sure. on? And, and those changes in tone, they didn't work for me. I, I didn't mind them as much as others, but if you're, if you were particularly like, you know, you were min maxing, you know, okay, I'm going to take my speed skeleton on the side for this area, but I'm do- if you're if that was your focus, mm. um, and then all of a sudden you're there's like this there's these two Boss BT fight. lions you got to shoot at. <laughs> yeah. um, I could see that kind of really making yeah. some people turn away from it. Those felt less out of place to me, at least the first time around, than. Then I think I think the um, the word this Call of Duty esque, which yeah, I mean there are I think three chapters where yeah. you are just transported War. to this yeah, World War, War battlefield, World War Two in Vietnam, Vietnam. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and you have to hunt down Cliff as he's summoning these uh, these BT soldiers at you to uh, to take him down, and it's I got to say though those sections looked I thought they looked tremendous oh, the the Vietnam behold, some of the some of the set yeah. pieces and that and and also even though it's um it's stuff we've seen before skeletal soldiers and stuff just the visual mm-hmm. design of his troops and his with the, the fuse umbilicals yeah, and i want to be able to do that thing yeah, where he holds stuff. his hand so cool. up and just lights a cigarette cigarette I, yeah, appears, that, yeah. I, yeah that's pretty yeah. cool i don't smoke anymore but it just uh, would be a cool trick yeah same yeah um and yeah i guess the other problem with the boss fights from the point of view of people who are happy with the boss fights is that because you end up you can end up kind of wading through tar quite a lot of the time that kind of really can be quite frustrating and takes the pace out of it and um there isn't a kind of that i I would say overall they're not massively difficult or they're not on normal difficulty as i found anyway a couple of them are just more like um, kind of uh like uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for there's kind of hp sinks you know just like you know what you have to do to beat the boss and it's just like you just need to find yeah, another exactly. crate with with another missile launcher, another crate with another assault rifle or whatever to, yeah. to get through it. All the while you're yeah. bleeding yourself for these bullets. <laughs> yes, grabbing, bleeding yourself. Grabbing floating bugs out of the air and chewing on them to replenish <laughs> your blood levels. Yeah. Yeah. They're meant to be like tardigrades, yeah. right? Yeah. Water bears. They're, they're, but they're called cryptobiotes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Good. 
Gadget8Bit says, Death Stranding is one of four games that's ever made me cry. The flaws don't matter to me. It's incredible despite them. Mechna says, I've one thing only to say about Death Stranding, which I believe will tell you how I feel about my platinum trophy. Spending hundreds of hours grinding hard, racing across the world in trucks and flying up and down snow-covered mountain zip lines, delivering as much as humanly possible to contribute towards building a full highway with the knowledge that I'm in some way helping others play their games via the simple online component, all while watching the entirety of South Park in the background, is one of my favourite gaming memories <laughs> ever, which will stay with me for the rest of my life. Death Stranding got hold of me with its deceptively addictive game loop, and didn't let up till I truly cane and rinsed every aspect of this game. God, I'm gonna have to do the platinum, aren't I? I don't think I. I don't think I can nod at this. Just... <sighs> anyway, start South Park. At the Apparently, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of anime I can just put on uh, in the background. Mm, it'll, it'll yeah, fit. probably more yeah. appropriate and less questionable. <laughs> Two smoking controllers from the forum says, I'm writing this the very night I just wrapped up my 120-hour road to the Platinum Trophy for this game. I can honestly say I loved all my time spent with it. There's a feeling this game gives you that it's impossible to explain to anyone who hasn't played it. In the simplest terms, it's mostly a feeling of accomplishment, but I believe there's more to it than that. It hit me the hardest probably when I drove on my first road that I completed this mostly likely comes after you've trudged back and forth across the map a few times and had a few struggles. Driving past those trouble spots and remembering how difficult it used to be is a moment to behold. Now at this point I'm obligated to end this post in the only way a porter knows how. Keep on keeping on. The, that, that sentiment very much echoes back to our quote from Kojima from his book earlier about the... Uh, it's actually the kind of the the walking down the the mountain in the sunshine after you've after you've had the struggle of the climb, and that echoes in itself what you know what we hear a lot from the gaming community about the challenges and difficulties of certain games. But here, the difficulty and the challenge is not about hand-eye coordination or or twitch reflexes or or learning in quite the same way. It's about planning and execution in a way that I think is fairly accessible for most people, probably. Yeah, and perseverance, too. Just uh, sometimes you just need to, yeah. like, some, you, know, you, could, you could try to scale this cliff and maybe lose everything that you're carrying, or you could take the extra 10 minutes to go around down the bottom mm. and up the safe path, and it's your choice, and it might, um, you know, it might, it, the reward is just getting there safely. There's not much else to it than that. And if, if that's your jam, this, there's parts of this game you're gonna, that, that you're going to love. For sure. Uh, shout out to the inclusion of Horizon Zero Dawn, which kind of makes sense because it's a Sony Studio game, although the actual in-world stuff is doesn't really make any sense. And Half-Life, hmm. which I did, was not expecting or aware of, but uh, right from the beginning there are mentions of Half-Life and also other valve you can find companion cubes lore. yeah companion yep. cubes yeah. also um i i think that this is right i haven't actually played this game but i think that there is some cyberpunk stuff in there um i think oh, that's there, who if you got any of the, the quests from yeah. jay or your friend jay or your your something jay ah, you eventually okay. get a silver hand uh and i think that's that's keanu reeves character right. isn't it johnny silverhand johnny silverhand yeah um, right. like i said i haven't played was that i haven't played it but uh, that was definitely not in the original no yeah. 
There's something from Jackie no, too, who's yeah. like your companion in Cyberpunk. There's Ooh, there's okay. like a there's like a note or a, or some entry about regarding oh, okay. him as well. Oh, okay. I didn't even spot that in the credits. Uh, the because like you you see Valve is actually mm-hmm. name checked and and Gorilla, but I didn't see anything about um, CDPR. Hmm. But I guess it must be in there. So for all those people who have been telling. Kojima for years that he should just make films or TV instead of games because he clearly prefers it. The news story arrived that Kojima Productions, as of last week, 22nd of November 2021, has announced an expansion into film, TV and music with a fresh office in LA. So it'll be interesting to see, I think, whether Kojima Productions, TV and films are so obviously authored by... Kojima himself as his games are or whether there'll be more slightly disparate stuff I mean we we covered the zone of the enders games and although he had his name on them in some capacity and Yoji Shinkawa was involved actually those games aren't directed by Hideo Kojima games and they have a slightly different kind of uh, philosophy and stuff so I don't know I mean yeah, it would be if 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 he insisted upon the same sort of levels of exposition and explanation. Um, well, I guess TV would make sense in terms of length, wouldn't it? Yeah, TV definitely more than movies. I I I don't necessarily trust Kojima with brevity. Um, but uh, but 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 <laughs> yeah, again, exactly. you know, if it's just his production company, how involved will he be? It's going to be interesting. Uh, but I'll yeah. be there to watch it. That's for sure. <laughs> Belmont03 says, I loved everything about Death Stranding from beginning to end. The slow nature of the game's mechanics resonated with me. Something about just walking in a dangerous environment was enough for me. The fact that these environments were beautiful was just the icing on the cake. I'll never forget walking over a hill to a new vista, being greeted with a wonderfully curated license track, and then getting an exposition dump that set up the new mechanics for the area. All of this made the game worth playing in my book, but Kojima went and added a star-studded cast to tell his brand of story in an engine where the motion capture for faces and conversations didn't work for me previously. Kojima and his team worked magic on an already great foundation, leaving me very hopeful for future Decima engine games. And finally we have Pie, who says, Death Stranding is an awesome achievement that has Kojima unleashed in all his brilliance and faults. The ending goes on for far too long. The interface is challenging to grasp. And you must decide for yourself whether a line like Mario and Princess Beach is either playful fun or incredibly (laughs) dumb. But I'm so glad I experienced this world and gameplay. I didn't even mention Norman Reedus' performance, the low raw soundtrack and the multiplayer community, all of which I loved. And as ever, we've asked people to sum up their Death Stranding experience in somehow just three words which is I, I almost added kojima and i thought that's just uh, hiding to nothing isn't it imagine can you describe your your game in three words no <laughs> no i can't yeah brian matthew lawrence says confusing boring mess generic miller says silly character names undiscovered pie says monster energy advertisement Mark Hoogland says, Exposition Diminished Introspection. Sam Sherritt says, Actors Justify Salaries. And Ian says, Leia Sedu's Umbrella. Ludo Narrative FN says, Meditative, Methodical, Engaging. Vito Beloshkin says, Hiking on Acid. 
<laughs> Bitter Toad says, felt genuinely new. Samtic Primo says, strand and deliver. Uh-huh. Ricardo Fasone says, dystopian FedEx simulation. <laughs> Tales from the Backlog podcast says, addicted to deliveries. Neil from Fox Unit says, overstretched ambitions realized. Azure Lisk says, recontextualized by pandemic. Veronica Jane says, favorite online experience. Tom Hewlett says, profound bonkers Kojima. And Alex79 says, another Kojima masterpiece. Well, there we have it. Uh, it's one of those podcasts again. Like, I always have I had this idea with Kane and Rince that every game would get exactly the same kind of treatment. And in a way, they do. Uh, but with some games, it does just feel like there's more that you need to <laughs> kind of say. Because in cases like this, the game just itself had so much to say. Um, and yeah, sometimes these ones are quite daunting to make. But, um, but it's always fun when it comes down to it. Now all that remains for us to do is to sum up our feelings of this uh, Death Stranding experience. I don't know in which order to go, but let's start with Brian. <laughs> um, I believe it or not, unlike Death Stranding, I will be brief. And uh, I, I will say that, um, like I said, I, th I feel like this podcast started kind of, um, we're talking about the story, and, and I really do think a lot of that stuff doesn't work. And there's no amount of reading on the lore. And, and I've watched videos, read articles, spent 100 hours with the game collectively. And I still don't quite get what it was going for. I, I don't understand Amelie's or the Extinction Entity's uh, intentions. And it said she went west with Bridges 1. And people said that they met her there. But she was always on the beach. Like, none of it. it a lot of that just doesn't make sense. And it drives me batty mm -hmm. how little sense it makes. But what does yeah. make sense for me uh, for, as a gameplay perspective is I really enjoyed just walking through the world, plotting area from, from here to there, um, getting these packages safely to places, always making sure I had container repair spray on me so I'd always get the most amount of likes for what I did and and uh, working towards those stars and putting those silly little stars on my on my thigh and like becoming a good porter and like putting on changing the color on my on my sunglasses and just you know wearing the dumb bridges hat like all that stuff worked for me um like completely uh, to where I was obsessed with that part of the game and it it really feels like a tale of two games for me and one I one I so thoroughly enjoyed and find hard to put into words and the other one I find hard to put into words because I just don't feel it was well realized enough for me to fully explain um but the one thing i will say though is that there's no other game i've ever played like death stranding and i'm super thankful it exists because i love unique experiences and games and whether or not i like the story hated the story like the gameplay whatever kojima production puts out yet next i'm probably a day one get because i just kind of want to see what they do next and that's that's really it thanks brian yeah, difficult one to sum up because of the density of it all. But if I just close my eyes and think about Death Stranding and the experience of it, I get a very, very strong image and a sense and a smell of kind of being in that world in the rain or sometimes not. Trying to deliver parcels, packages uh, while circumnavigating horrifyingly scary areas. Um, just a sense of, yeah, that those environments being incredibly uh, real, the sort of 
that sense as you continue to play that the world is growing around you thanks to that sort of fairly seamlessly uh, inter interjected community aspect which feels a little like yeah kind of um some kind of magic that's going on uh but yeah on the flip side there are some lows for me as well some of the physics and locomotion as 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 cool as it can be and as satisfying as it can be it sometimes kind of falls apart uh generally i think that's more often than not it's it's as much to do with my own lack of planning but it still kind of ends up looking and feeling a little bit arbitrary as to whether you've yeah like you could be yomping over one territory and then tripping over a pebble and dropping your cargo and things like that that sort of inconsistency can be a bit frustrating uh and yeah the story it's the 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 three word review that stands out to me is is um, mark hoogs which is um mark hoogland's exposition diminished introspection like the game that i would have liked was the one that maintained its sort of enigma and had a lot uh, left a lot more for me to interpret as a player and explained a lot less and certainly when it comes to explaining the stuff that just doesn't really add up uh, in any logical way as as Brian pointed out and things that you just kind of you just continue to shake your head at even once you've finished the whole game you've watched a essay video you've watched another video which explains the law of the world and you're still saying yeah but that doesn't that literally doesn't this aspect doesn't make sense this character action doesn't add up and it just makes you wonder yeah either what was cut out or or what kind of got lost along the way so yeah i don't know but overall i'm still playing it after completion which is always a good sign i've been back to it several times since the second credit roll just to deliver parcels I'm not sure how long that will continue for. I don't think I'll be going for the platinum. Um, I've got about you know, two thirds of the trophies and I'm not sure I will go for the rest. But um, but it is a world that I would happily return to just for the the pleasure of being in it and, and for the, the the positive aspects that I enjoy really, really do stand out. As I say, I dreamt about this game after the first time I played it because it's sort of sense of place and atmosphere was so potent uh that that kind of that that elevates it above its flaws for me and so is definitely worth experiencing let's finish with leah as she works towards her oh, yeah i think i'm gonna have to at this point um yeah i'll have to i'm gonna, I'm gonna need some lists um yeah yeah i i mean i as much as i liked playing this game it is not I, I would not say that it is a perfect game. I would not say that it's even a game that everybody's going to like. Uh, it depends on how you feel about fairly mundane tasks that are quite repetitive and also story that does not necessarily make sense. Uh, I like both of these things, it turns out. So this this turned <laughs> out to be a game pretty much for me. I really enjoyed the world. I really enjoyed just kind of wandering around it and making people like me bit by bit. Um, and while I don't, I don't think that the story is very good, ultimately, uh, I, I do think that it holds together well enough that I can look at it and say, you know, this is, this is 
bonkers, but it's bonkers in a good way. It's bonkers in a very anime way. Uh, and, you know, like I said, it's not it's not the best, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. I it, it really just got its hooks in me. And so much so that now I'm thinking about like, maybe I, I was going to do something else tonight, but may, maybe I'll just I thought I was done, but I'm not done. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be playing some more Death Stranding. Uh, I, I think I think it's worth giving a shot if a, any of this stuff appeals. Um, I, I think that the mistake a lot of people may have made was going in thinking this was going to be Metal Gear Solid 6, and it's not. It is definitely not a Metal Gear Solid game. It has a lot of shared DNA with other Kojima games that I have played, but it's not the same as any of them. It's not really the same as many other things that I have played. And I think that's worth supporting. And I think it's worth checking out if you have any interest in it. Like I said, um, I think it's worth checking out to support games that are a little bit different than uh, maybe you were expecting. Nice. Excellent stuff. Well, just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Leah, editor Jay who also, I think, maybe has the Platinum, or he's certainly very close to it. He'll, uh, he'll let me know. As well as our correspondence, and, of course, to you for listening. And next time, in issue 498, we've further post-apocalyptic larks with Lisa, the painful RPG. See?